This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Greetings listeners and welcome again, Keegan. We spoke a couple of programmes ago about Palmerston North being a city rich in cultures and arts. So how are the city's artworks funded? Hi, uh, so uh, I'm Palmerston uh, North born and bred uh, planner from the City Council, Keegan Aplin Thane, and I suppose um, one of our roles in the city is to help um, promote public art, and one way of those is to help invest in that. So we have a program in the long-term plan of about $50,000 a year um, of seed funding to help with partnership match funding with the um, Sculpture Trust, and we also cover installation. So does that Sculpture Trust do other artworks as well, or are they separate, like the paintings and murals and those kind of things? Uh, so the Sculpture Trust is primarily um, focused in, in both its generations um, on uh, sculptures in particular, and they've done um, a really awesome job of kind of bringing public art to the forefront in terms of its value in public spaces, in terms of actually its um, place and pride in the city, um, and it's brought some pretty big names to us um, and so um, other murals or other public art, um, there's a mix of, um, uh, I suppose, people that have brought it to the, to the fray. Um, and so it's a really, um, really awesome team effort. Um, and we've got an arts trail guide which shows you kind of all the different kind of players that have contributed public art over the years. Right. So the trail guide or the, or the brochure, where are they available? So um, best place to find it is, is going to be at the ice site in the middle of the square. Um, so grab one of, one of the art trail guides. There's also a whole lot of other kind of walking trail guides and things for people that are interested in going out and about in Palmerston North. So there's heaps of things to do in Palmerston North, especially if you're on the arts um, interest. So um, they're funded by um, part, part Palmerston North City Council and with the um, trust and are ever any donated by the actual artists? Uh, good question. Uh, I'm not too sure on that front, um, but um, I imagine there's been a number of bequeathments. Um, an interesting uh, one to touch base with is the Art Society of Palmerston North. Um, quite often, um, well, they've been around for um, absolute donkey's ears, um, and actually a number of artworks um, we've found have been bequeathed through them, so they might be the commissioning agent, or the sculpture um, sculpture trust might be the commissioning agent, and then there might be an estate or a trust that um, looks to contribute an awesome piece of public art to the city. So, I mean, as far as um, dollars and cents goes, you get pretty good bang for buck in in terms of public art in the city. I don't think there's that many um, ratepayer funded programs where you can guarantee uh, dollar for dollar kind of match funding or more, and often uh, in terms of insurance value of some of these things. Right. So um, the, who chooses these arts? Like, as you say, some of them are well-known artists and everything, so are they commissioned or do, does somebody just say, oh, we like that, we'll buy that for the city? Yeah, so as far as the Sculpture Trust works goes, um, that's often a commission that the uh, Trust um, puts together. So they've got a pretty rigorous criteria. They've got The Trust is made up of a really 
um, great bunch of experts as far as art curation goes. We've got a number of gallery owners and um, and other um, groups. Also, um, they've got the backing of some really awesome philanthropists um, behind them. Uh, and then when it comes to other public artworks in the city, um, like murals and such, it can be often, you know, a business owner wants to create a landmark out of their building and get more foot traffic. So they might um, use an underutilised wall um, and then um, put their hand up and council might help out in terms of getting the right artist to make their brief um, and other bits and pieces. So that that's on the, um, on the owner's back or whatever you call it. Yeah, but quite often. A, I mean, there's yeah. the odd there's the odd occasion where um, council might see a, a awesome public good element to what they're doing. And so we might, say, for instance, put some koha towards the um, installation costs. Right. Um, but often it ends up, you know, in that instance, it might be a 50-50 split in terms of total costs. Yeah. But basically, um, whoever owns the building can do whatever, paint it sky blue pink if they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. And, and even on heritage buildings. So um, in another life, I'm a, um, a, a district planner. And so it's interesting to compare to, say, other cities like Dunedin um, who have such rigorous um, – uh, heritage rules that even painting the building requires a resource consent from oh, what goodness. I last remembered. Um, and so they've got a pretty strong um, kind of street art trust and so they go through that process um, whereas in Palmer's North it's a little bit more agile. Yeah. Oh, right. So and roughly how many um, city artworks are there? Oh, well, they've, they've ballooned in, in the past probably five or so years, um, you know, um, Gone are the days when you'd say the word mural and there'd only ever be one kind of thing that would come to mind, you know, a, la- a nice oil landscape painting on the side of a long wall. Now it's kind of anything and everything, which is quite exciting to see. Um, and so because of that, m- many hands make light work across the city, um, lots of different contributors. You've probably got close to maybe 120 artworks across the city that I could point to. All right. So uh, um, and they're being added to every year, obviously, from what you said. If they've got funding, so yeah, and, and in fact, just drove past um, uh, Lombard Street uh, Sublime Coffee uh, this morning on the way to work. Uh, but bit too cold for my bike, I'll admit. Um, and uh, an artist by the name of Fuego, he does graffiti artwork in uh, Wanganui, but he was based in kind of Wellington for most of his life. Had just come over and done a, a couple of pieces in a back um, car park wall that oh, had been wow. hit with a lot of tagging and actually he's done some really good high quality works. So it's really awesome to just drive down the street and be like, oh, that thing started up. Oh, And I'll actually add another one too. Um, same street down the road, um, our awesome creative sounds, um, The Stomach, um, awesome recording studio there, um, one of the best in the country, one of the cheapest in the country too, so we're very lucky. Um, they're actually commissioning two murals on either side of their building, oh, right. um, one by a um, kind of um, crew that's involved in the art scene there and another one by a local UCOL student. So watch the space. Well, we certainly need to do that then. So uh, there's a an arch trail walk, which are, everything's in close walking distance around the um, to Marae Ohini, et cetera. So each art piece is described in the brochures that you'll be picking up from the Eyesight Centre. So we just choose a, talk, a few to talk about. So five of the fi- 20 featured sculptures are by renowned Paul Dibble, and they're all large pieces in prominent places. So, But outside to Manawa... There's one called Pacific Monarch. So can you explain the meaning of this to us? Yeah, um, that's a really interesting one as far as uh, dibbles go. It's not necessarily 
um, ones that you initially scream at you these days in terms of what you expect or see uh, from his works. Um, very lucky to be the home of the Dibble, and so it's quite heartwarming to go across um, different parts of the country and even the world and see a little, um, uh, a little, uh, I suppose, breadcrumb trail of um, of Palmy artwork across the, the globe. So we're very lucky. Um, so Paul Dibble's Pacific Monarch, in a nutshell, is is basically a bit of a, a um, story about our our roots as a multicultural society. So each little element that you see added on this um, human piece um, is actually representative of different cultures. Um, you've got things like um, headdress uh, from Celtic Europe. Um, you've got um, plum bobs that um, kind of. Uh, represent a little bit of colonialism and the, and um, coming over shores to build new, uh, and then there's other kind of Pacific um, elements in there as well. Um, and it was produced in 1992, so it's same age as me. Um, and uh, one cool thing you, you'll find, and we'll, we'll um, tell you about it a little later on, is there's a full length documentary called Intent to Construct on NZOnScreen.co.nz, I believe. Um, Oh, sorry, nzonscreen.com. So look up Intent to Construct. It's about a 24-minute documentary about how that piece was curated and built. Really awesome interviews with Paul and Fran Dibble in their actual workshop. Get to see behind the scenes. Um, so that was a really awesome commission by the actual uh, Manawatu Art Gallery Society. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, well, that that's what you would imagine a sculpture looks like. So several sculptures have been controversial. So Cuba Street hosts one called Giants Among Us. So what's this sculpture and what does it represent? Yeah, so Giants Among Us, if um, I suppose you're listening in, you probably don't, don't necessarily know the one that screams to mind. But if you go down Cuba Street and you talk about the green, uh, sorry, the, the red rods, everyone knows what that, that is, right? Good landmark <laughs> for uh, Little Cuba, uh, that little intersection around Cuba Street and George Street and Tao Nui. Um, but it was made by um, a guy by the name, I'm going to probably absolutely bastardise this uh, name, but Constantine Demopoulos. Um, so he's an overseas um, artist um, and has done a number of these kind of wind-based sculptures across the globe. And of course, being uh, the city of rainbows, the windy city that we are, um, it works really well in terms of its effect. Um, there's other places that have had these, um, I suppose, uh, wand-type or reed-type sculptures installed, and they haven't been nearly as windy as us, so they don't get that full effect <laughs> of that kineticism, you know what I mean? Um there is also a time-lapse video on YouTube that you can find of the installation of it. It's pretty cool. So for those people that want to know how the thing came up. Um, but yes, controversial. I mean, it's not to everyone's taste. Not everyone likes red. It's a bit aggressive for some people, but passionate for others. The fun fact that I like to talk about with uh, Giants Among Us is how well it's used for a couple of groups in the city, the cyclists and the students. And actually you'll find on a evening um, coffee run from a group of uh, – uh, I suppose lycra clad cyclists that go out in their in their giggles as they do and they've got their kind of pet cafes their pet cafe is Cafe Cuba and one interesting use of Giants Among Us is it makes a really excellent cycle rack so you'll often find about 10 to 12 cycle um, cycles parked just in the slots there and then also if you're late enough on a Saturday night or if you go to Sunday brunch in um, Cuba Street or George Street you'll often find um, some of the students have gone and peeled down the reeds, slotted a trolley in that they've probably stolen from maybe Countdown or something like that, and then uh, let it go and watch it fling up and then slot down. 
um, not so fun for our gardening crew who have to then try and you extricate know extricate it. Extricate yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but hey, it's playful. It's multi-purpose, so you can't not love it. So and it's obviously flexible, so they haven't broken any off. No, no, but you know, in saying so, you know, nothing. Probably nothing go lasts around forever. there next time you'll find yeah, that somebody yeah. has broken if, up. Luckily enough, we don't have too many pole vaulters in the city; otherwise, they might have all got nicked. All right. So, in five of the other artworks, or, or some of the others, there's five that have Maori significance. So, um, we're going to talk about first of all the Rangatane Kita Whenua. What's that? Right. Uh, so excuse me for a moment. We that one is the um, the one piece by Rewiti Arapiri and Liz Grant that was done in 2010 in the foyer of the Tamanawa Museum. Um, kind of, it's like a light sculpture without necessarily being a, a light sculpture. It's um, a really good use of the windows in the foyer of Tamanawa Museum and the fact that it's kind of basically a transparent vinyl wrap of a. Um, uh, of a mural of the ancestors of um, Fatonga and, and Rangitane's um, kind of background there. Um, interesting fact around that one is um, obviously it's best looked at from the inside of the building rather than the outside, so then you get the full light effect. It's a little bit like stained glass. Um, but there's a, a huia that was a female huia that was painted uh, that was put in this piece, and then a little bit later than down the track in uh, 2018, we had the Street Prince Papayoya mural. Um, event, which had about 20 murals across the city centre produced. One of the artists, uh, Henrietta Tafata, um, was doing um, an update of one of the murals outside in that courtyard and then, you know, noticing that Huey often come in pairs, um, then painted a, a response piece, so a, a male Huey on the outside of the building. So then we had uh, the full couple. Oh, right. <laughs> So, and um, a second one is Māori Ora Papatuanuku me Tangaro. Yep, yep. Uh, so let me just flip to that one. So um, for those who don't know, Rangatane is the um, tangata whenua of the, of the um, land. That's why the Rangatane ki te whenua. So Māori Ora mm-hmm. Papatuanuku me Tangaro. Yeah, so this piece is a really good excuse to go and check out um, Square Edge and the latest exhibitions there. So it's a, a quite a large carving that um, sits um, front and purpose as soon as you um, go through the double doors of Scrooge Art Gallery on the corner of the square. Um, so uh, the wood carving depicts the um, Papatuanuku and Tangaroa um, with a net between them. Uh, the work was created with Scrooge in mind, so I don't know if it's going to be very easy to, to move in the future. Um, and expresses the ideals of a cooperative surviving off the land and sea. Um, with the net being the um, tekupuna, uh, excuse me, a net of knowledge uh, to make that um, possible. Um, so the carving was, this one was a really interesting one. It was an actual one that was gifted to Square Edge um, by Tiaturangi Nepia Clamp in 1982. All right, so we have Papatuanuku being the land and Tangaroa being the god of the sea. So in Tamarai or Hine, or also known as the Square, we have some carvings that are up on the um, wall of the City Council building. Yeah, so that's a pretty pride of place one because um, if you've ever been in Tamarai Hine, the Square, <coughs> uh, you'll notice that next to the Council building, um, whether you love it or hate it, um, is a beautiful courtyard area that's framed, um, and that's a... I suppose an urban maraiatia, so it's a bit of a forecourt area, and often you'll find that there's 
um, kind of porphyry welcomings on on that space, um, real pride in place. So the um, these carvings that um, I suppose sit at the top of the um, the building, looking over the artia, there were made by John Bevan Ford, who's an exceptionally well known um, artist in his field, and also um, at the at the time his apprentice, um, now uh, master carver Warren Warbrick, who still is in the city um, and and ho- holding strong um, with that toy Māori lens over the city. Um, so this was produced in 1990. Um, I won't go too much into the actual um, meaning behind it because I think there's people that can talk a bit better than I can on it. But one exciting thing to note is those those were just recently refurbished uh, by Warren um, and then also two more carvings were added at the base of the building that helps frame, I suppose, the front um, of the Artia space where people actually talk to. So it's worth having a bit of a look because now you not only get the stuff that's above the building, it's a little bit out of reach, um, but the stuff you can come come up close to. And, and inspect. So that's sort of um, basically at the back door to the council building, is that correct? Uh, back door, front door, depending on where you're working it. To be honest, <laughs> um, I'd I'd say definitely the the front the front door. I mean, it's right next to our our kind of manakitanga function in terms of our front of house. Um, so it's a good way to welcome people into the city. Right, and um, the last Maori um, significance is Te Piti Te Awe Awe statue that's in Te Marae Ohene. Yeah, so. Um, Pretty special to have um, such a prominent um, piece, particularly around a, um, a iwi chief, uh, Rangitani Omanawatu chief. Um, and so um, this is one of our oldest pieces, having been put in place in 1906. Looking pretty good uh, for that old. Um, and I won't go too much into it because there's a hell of a lot of um, good stuff on the plaque in front of it. Um, one thing I'll allude to is when you're walking around and using the trail is keep an eye out for um, the whakatauaki or the proverb um, kind of uh, given to us by Te Piti Te Aui Aui on that piece. It's a really good uh, description of the bicultural foundations of Te Papaioia Palmerston North. Right, and there's a also an... Um well, a, a different one that's not not in such a prominent place, is, and it's called Untitled. Yes, so that's number twenty-seven on the art trail. So uh, this one um, was done by uh, David McLeod in nineteen eighty-three, um, and it's a pretty abstract piece. Those who only ever travel by car may have missed it their entire lives, but it's down Rangitike Street. You know where the Crombie Lockwood Building is, the big tall. Um, uh, multi-story office block that's just right next to Rebel Sport. Um, so there's this is a two-piece sculpture. So on the ground there's a um, there's a piece, and then up on the wall too. So I guess you're looking up, but the, it tells a story of how the Fonganui and Rangitike rivers were named by um, uh, Ho, the, uh, one of the Māori high priests, as he chased his unfaithful wife across the west coast of the North Island. Um, quite an adventure there. Um, the wall sculpture itself represents um, a river flowing from source to mouth uh, with six bronze markers symbolising Ho's journey and then the freestanding sculpture in the forecourt continues the river theme with the river waters coursing. Um, I'm not overly sure whether it was a commission or bequeath or whether there was necessarily any kind of um, Consultation. investment. Consultation, just, just turned up, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it's 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 very, like, it's one of our rare ones in the city, which is, like, it's all on private land 
obviously associated with the development of the building, which is what you see quite often in uh, Australian cities, for instance, where they actually have a specific planning requirement um, to have a proportion of their investment actually put back into public art. Um, so this looks like that, but I imagine it could have been commissioned by the actual building owner, landowner, in the construction of that building. Hmm. All right, and the last sculpture we're going to look at is called the skunk. Yeah, so completely different tat. It's not uh, It's not a big freestanding piece. Um, it's quite subtle. Um, blink and you miss it kind of deal, and not everyone necessarily goes in and takes a look. So it's, it's a pressed copper one. Um, so... It's indoors. It's inside the convention centre on Main Street. Um, now, the skunk refers to an actual, I'm pretty sure it's the name of a train. It's a steam locomotive that hauled flax from Foxton in the early days of the flax industry. That's before nylon kind of killed that vibe. Um, it's been, it operated on the railway between Foxton and Whanganui for, from about 1876 till 1885. So it's quite a busy picture um, on that press copper and was done by an um, artist by the name of Len Bailey. Right, so we've got roughly about six or seven minutes left. So that's what we'll all do, the arts trail. There are more um, things to see on that. But since that was uh, initiated, of course, we've had a few more years and lots more artworks have been bought and installed. So can you give us a rundown on yep. some of them? So absolutely. Um, I suppose it's a good point to note that the arts trail guide um, was produced um, as an initiative from Zimmerman Art Gallery on Main Street. And this was in 2013, I think the first edition was, and they got Creative New Zealand funding for that, which is pretty cool use of that money. Um, oh, sorry, first edition published in 2011. I'm just reading the back of it. <laughs> then uh, a second edition published in 2013 to give it a bit of an update. Uh, and then in 2016, it, get, it had its last update. Um, before it gets a little bit too big. So the idea is that um, you can kind of go around within an hour and knock out a good series of some of the best quality artworks in the city centre there. So supporting that, we've also got a good website um, that has basically all the artworks, public artworks in the city, and including things in Ashurst and other bits and pieces. Uh, We're adding to it almost every day, and that's... um, pncc.govt.nz forward slash art map and you can actually use both at the same time so while you're going through the art trail guide uh, walking around you can keep the app open on your phone for the art map and see any new ones that have popped up along as well some of the cool ones to check out are like Berryman's Lane where there's probably about maybe 15 odd 15 or 16 odd murals all jam-packed in one alleyway and it's all lit up so when you're Park in Main Street, go down to Broadway for dinner and a show, um, go through Berryman's Lane, have a look at all the awesome artworks. The first set, which was a smaller set, was all to do with um, artists that have either lived, studied, um, were born in the city. Um, and then the second lot was a mixture of people from Whanganui, Auckland, Wellington, Palmy, and it was a bit of a mentorship exercise for some of the young ones. Um, so that one's pretty cool. And um, I noticed that we've now got a, a new um, sculpture artwork at the um, the in the roadway where where the old road came out and in, in and out of the um, Esplanade down in Park Road. So, do you know anything about that? What it is? Uh, is, is that referring to the um, the fish sculpture? 
And oh, is the, that what it, is, it looks like? It could be. I, I yes, don't look too closely. There's, but there's a new one that's in the actual Esplanade itself, um, and that was a Paul Double Piece, um, and that one's called Dawn Chorus of the Fish of Maui, um, and that was commissioned recently by the Sculpture Trust, um, and it's within that little duck pond area. Um, so you can't go up and touch it or climb it or anything like that, unfortunately, but if you're a keen swimmer, I suppose you can. <laughs> um, uh, so um, check that one out next time you're at Wild Base. Um, it's a cool it's a cool piece, and again, it's a little bit different to what we might usually see a uh, pool double do. Right, no, no, this, this one's actually in the entranceway where the old road was. That you can't go down the road now, so must be so new that you don't know about it yet. Because I understand that you don't, um, well, you're not involved in everything that goes on. No, absolutely not. It's hard to keep track of everything in the city. <laughs> it's kind of I call call it Palmy's Golden Age for everyone. You know what I mean? Like it's too much to keep track of. Well, I, I went on the um, Arts Trail website and, and all these little green stickers all over the place. I thought, goodness me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one, one recent one to note is um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a not new new sculpture, if you will. So we've got um, the Falling Waters sculpture, which is a really awesome copper piece that was done by Fred Graham, um, also X All Black. Uh, so pretty cool. If every, everyone remembers the Alpha Motor Inn, which was on the corner of Victoria and Broadway, uh, they'll remember this piece. But it was never fully functioning. It never actually had water falling from it, which it was originally designed for. So it um, got sold off um, thanks to the Sculpture Trust. Uh, we managed to um, track that down and um, and keep it, a piece of our art, public art history, rather than it going somewhere else or to the skip. Uh, and then um, they've worked with council to reinstall it in a new little kind of pocket park type space next to the convention centre on Main Street. And for the for the um, fun ones in the bunch, if you go next to the sculpture at the base, you can push a button, and then all of a sudden a whole little water starts rushing through the bottom there. Um, so it's oh, a good wow. little fun one next time you're at the library, taking the kids around. And um, talking about fun things, there, there was a gnome who appeared in the um, George Street. Is he still there? Yeah. So this was the last this looked. is the trav the travelling gnome. Uh, so this is called uh, Five Fakaro Aro, uh, which is roughly translates to Deep Thinker. Obviously, translations are a little bit fraught, but um, this is done by Gregor Krieger, uh, and we poached it from Auckland, I believe. The sculpture just poached it. So he really travelled. Um, <laughs> yeah, it has really travelled. Good point. I hadn't made that connection. Uh, it was originally um, dropped in place in Broadway. One day, um, but it's got uh, f- the base on it. It's got forklift lifts, uh, forklifts uh, holes and slots, so it can actually be moved around from place to place. So no doubt you'll see this little gnome make its way throughout the city from time to time. The awesome thing I absolutely love—I don't know if everyone loves it—is our local yarn bombing crew, which um, go out at night and they um, they might um, yarn up a whole lot of um, knitted stuff in, in public spaces and do some really creative stuff. Um, they've been knitting some winter woolies for the keep gnome warm to the keep them warm. <laughs> and you can see some people really interact with it, take photos with it, kids and all that. And children um, climbing on it, I've seen. Yeah, and and so Dibble's do. added his little mark onto this piece too with Gregor's um, agreement. It's quite nice. So if you'll see, there's a little fantail and uh, frog um, just uh, poached, uh, perched on the uh, gnome itself, and that was um, oh, Dibble's little signature there. That, that must be really recent. I didn't notice that. So. Mm. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, we've run out of time, so there's plenty there to do and see, and and go along get your brochure from the eyesight. 
uh, and you don't have to do the walk. But, uh, Keegan says you can take about an hour or so, but I, I guess you could spend a lot more time. You could stand on the corner and watch everything. So thank you very much for that, Keegan. Thanks for having me, Anne. Right, thank you. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.